0: The Grow Kinder podcast features conversations with thought leaders in education, business, tech, and the arts, who all share one thing in common a dedication to growing kinder in their work and lives, and helping others do the same. Brought to you by Committee for Children.
1: So today we're talking to Rachel Cam, Andrea, and Rachel is one of our colleagues at Committee for Children. Well, it certainly has been unusual times uh, the last couple of weeks in Seattle and all over the world. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about how adults are coping and how social and emotional learning plays a factor in adults' coping strategies and in their relationships with their peers and their children. So I think we can I don't know. It's, I really am curious about how both of you are doing. We're we're working from home today. We're doing our
0: podcast from home. Yeah, and, you know, Rachel has worked with you longer. Mia, but has worked with us for a very long time in many different capacities, and most recently in developing supports for adult social emotional learning. And so let's start with you, Rachel. How are you coping? How are things going in your world right now? Yeah. So
2: in line with our philosophy with SEL for adults, I'm really trying to focus on the positives right now. I have the opportunity to have my two teenage children back at home with me after a brief foray into emptiness. So I'm trying to embrace that right now. But, you know, it's a challenge for sure. We're we're all working from home remotely. We're trying to support the educators now as best we can from our places here in the corner of Seattle, from our living rooms, our kitchens, whatever, as they're trying to cope with supporting children
0: across the country with schools closed. It's probably good to set some context. So we at Committee for Children are all working from home now where we can. So we're all recording this from the comfort of our own homes, although comfort might be a stretch after (laughs) many weeks. Trapped with our loved ones, I would say, is how I feel. I feel grateful and also trapped.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely an adjustment, isn't it? We, as I think both of you know, in our household, my husband and I have both brought our 80 year old mothers to live with us since they were both living in senior communities. And we felt like it was going to be safer for them to live with us. And so there's a lot of adult SEL practice (laughs) going on here, Rachel, in our household, because it's a big adjustment to be living again with parents after not having done so for decades. And even when they're just the most lovely people, it's just, it takes some time getting into a rhythm and making sure that everyone both feels safe and comfortable, but also has enough space.
2: Yeah, there's both. So we're, we're dealing with a couple different things where you're in close confines with the same group of people for we don't know how long. So it's pulling on some skills to interact effectively with those people that we're with day after day after day after day without a break, as well as there's many of us that are feeling really isolated and some don't even have the support at home or people to even share that with. So there's those two factors, So now, you know, is really an important time, I think, for adult SEL, even though I think adult SEL is for always. (laughs) But now we can really pull on some of those skills that are needed right now during this super stressful
0: time. So that's a pretty good segue. Let's hear more about you, Rachel. Maybe you want to tell folks a little about your background and what you're working on currently. I've been in education for over 25
2: years as an educator, content developer, instructional design, curriculum development. And the last 13 of those years have been with Committee for Children, working on content development of I've worked on almost every program that Committee for Children has, and most currently, for the last year, I've been working on s e l for adults. So it's to help adult educators k twelve educators build their social their own social
0: emotional learning competencies and so, what is I think, given the context we're in right now this covid nineteen coronavirus outbreak, why is social emotional learning for adults so important right now? You've said it's for all time, but like what are some specifics that people might be experiencing that you think? they could access some of their social emotional competencies or strengths or work on those given their current situation.
2: So human beings really are inherently social creatures, right? And being in isolation causes us stress, you know. So first of all, I think we just need to acknowledge that that everyone is experiencing some levels of stress, not only because of the fear of the unknown, but also because of the isolation. And so what happens, I think, when you're in that isolation, you're in your head a lot. Negative thoughts, you know, about our world, our lives, ourselves can really spin in a really harmful way. You're not alone in finding yourself dwelling on negative thoughts or replaying those things over and over again. As humans, we're really hardwired to pay attention to negatives rather than positives, Uh, This is referred to negative bias. And it can have a really powerful effect on your behavior and your interactions and your well-being. So first of all, I think all of us just need to be aware of that, that that is a natural thing for us to do. But it can really take a toll on your mental well-being. So what we would recommend and what we're going to recommend anyway, regardless of the situation we're here, is to take a few moments in your day to really focus on the positives, those things that you're grateful for, both large and small. We're actually working on an activity, we hope to have it out by next week, that um, will help educators do this. We're gonna open it up for all educators, but specific, I mean all adults, but specifically for educators.
1: So Rachel, can you describe that a little bit? Is it about, can you just think about the things in your head? Do you need to write them down? Do you need to verbally say them out loud? Is there a difference between those different ways of expressing them?
2: Yeah, that's a great,
1: great question, Mia.
2: Yes. So what you really want to do is set aside the time to intentionally do this, to intentionally think about those times, those things that you're grateful for and record them and write them down. We know that just the act of writing them down makes a difference in how you feel. So that part's really important. And it really doesn't need to be more than a few minutes every day. As I said, we've set up this activity to guide you through that process. And once you get it, you've got it. And so it's a great thing to practice, not only now, but
0: ongoing. Yeah, I I do a practice with my children where we do roses and thorns, which is pretty common. We kind of talk about things throughout our day that were really good or kind of unexpectedly good and or helpful. And then other things that maybe weren't so good or that we want to think about doing differently the next day. And I can imagine that some people might think that kind of gets at this. But one of the things that I've realized is There's a lot of things that I do with my kids that I can kind of rely on to try to help myself, but it's really important for me also as an adult to take time myself and be intentional about these things because the way we frame them for kids, like so many times, and maybe this is just me, but so many times I'm like faking it to make it, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Where I'm sort of like, I know I'm supposed to be positive for my kids right now, but I'm actually not addressing my own. Anxieties. Yeah, that's a really
2: good point. So, so one of the things that we are really intentional about is focusing on the adult's own emotional well-being. So, the way that we we set it up is first, you got to take care of yourself then let's pay attention to how that's affecting the people around you, including your peers, other adults, and students or children in your life. So the focus on your own well-being is, is super important because we know that How you sleep, what you eat, the amount of exercise you're getting, all affect how reactive you can be. There's lots and lots of studies that show this. So one of the things that we actually encourage is for the adults to keep a journal. So if they're keeping on, you know, you could try one of these one at a time on your sleep and notice those times when you're reactive, how it is, or your emotional well-being, your feelings, your negative thoughts, how it relates to how much sleep you're getting And you might try that with what you're eating. So do you find when you skip lunch that you are more reactive, that you react more negatively to your kids, that you can't handle stressful situations and exercise as well? So we encourage adults to keep a journal and keep track. Instead of it's not about monitoring what you eat like a diet
1: or anything. It's more about tracking it to your emotions. Oh, well, that's super interesting. Right. So it's not about following any one person's particular exercise regime or diet. It's really about it being very personalized to you and kind of understanding yourself, right? right.
2: Yeah, that's right. right.
1: And understanding like when you are running low on energy, so many people now are going to be doing so much more caretaking than they had before. And just given all the stress that's going on and everything else, you know, people are going to be feeling really exhausted and you know for someone like me who is an extrovert one of the ways i used to sort of recharge would be to be around other people to do social things to go out to you know concerts or or museums or places where i get not only i kind of am fed by crowds but also by creative expressions you know whether it's music or art or that sort of thing and i feel very very shut off from all those things now And I have a lot of introvert friends who are like, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. (laughs) I think that's, yeah, Yeah. that's kind of interesting about the
0: introvert thing. So when you're done, Mia, let's come back to the question of like, how social are we as humans and this difference between people who feel like they were made for this?
1: Right, exactly. So I guess my question, Rachel, is what are ways that you are recommending or that you've seen people being able to still be social, even though we are distancing?
2: Yeah, actually, people have gotten really creative about this. I'm just amazed at how those super extroverts that need social contact, and even those introverts need the social contact as well, have gotten creative about forming community and support with each other online. One thing that's really nice is the way that our society is moving towards more social interaction online. So in some ways, we were kind of primed for this, where now we can do video conferencing, Zoom where we can actually see the person we're talking to it wasn't that long ago and we didn't have this in place so i am encouraging you know people to do daily check-ins if they work with a team check in daily with your team it's really nice if you have video contact and not just voice it feels more human you can do fun things together like watch movies right now i my husband and i are separated because we're we're not separated as in divorce we're physically physically. physically separated because my kids and I are doing some self-quarantining because my son just got back from Europe two days ago. Uh, So I'm taking the kids to one place while he and the kid's grandma are in another place because they both are in a higher risk category. So we are trying to get creative about how we can stay connected during this time. So we're arranging some virtual dinners tonight and we've got our Google chat going most of the day. So there's all kinds of strategies like that. That, that people can do to still stay in touch and be supportive to one another.
0: And it seems like even if you, I mean, some lower tech options for those that might not have access to that. Like I think about some of my family members that I've spoken with, they may not be able to do the sorts of things that you're talking about, but we are, they can text message. So we have ongoing text message threads or even a phone call. And I thought a really great activity that a teacher sent home. <laughs> by email was just writing letters. So my kids and I are handwriting letters As right now we can still mail those. And so these things that I think for a long time, people were less connected than they are now, and they still found ways to access what they needed socially. So getting creative seems like the right tactic in whatever your situation might be to make sure you're fed in that way. So speaking of the connection that we're all trying to to create with each other. I feel very connected to my colleagues right now because we are working online all the time. And I've noticed that there are some positives about that and some other things that are not working as well. For instance, I had a 30-minute meeting this morning where my kids came in every 5 minutes probably. I just could there was not a way that was going to work for me and we're really lucky because we work for a place that understands that and cares about children. Probably not the case for everybody. But the other things that I've been thinking about is like people like their day doesn't seem to end right before I would get up and I'd walk over to somebody. And now I'm just here at my computer. And i talked to somebody the other day that said they worked till 8 p.m. because they lost track of time because they're in this small place with a computer. And it's just kind of them and their their machine. And there's always more work to do even now. So for those who are working from home, who are privileged enough to be able to do that, how can social emotional skills help them?
2: Yeah, we've been thinking about this a lot. First of all, Andrea, you mentioned boundaries. There, there isn't the blur of boundaries between work and home are really, are are really fuzzy right now. I've had to do this myself where you need to set up really clear boundaries about when is work and when do I need to step away from this? So, and also the idea of routines. So routines are are good for so many reasons, but set up a regular routine. We are all out of our routine and it makes us feel really out of whack and discombobulated really. So if you can set up a routine, whether it's start with exercise, your coffee, sit down for you know, a half hour, go through your emails, have your regular scheduled meeting, take a break at lunch, go outside, get some fresh air. So doing some practices like that. And the other thing I think is an important thing, and I've been trying to do this more, is really trying to just focus in the moment. Once you set up your routine and your boundaries is to be, try to just really be mindful about where you are and your work and not always trying to expand and worry about the next thing. And that's hard. So the other thing that's been hard for me is the lack of movement. So I realized how little I move when I'm working at home. I've got this Fitbit and I'm seeing my steps every day and wow, they have been about cut in half. So I'm having to make a deliberate effort to get up and move every hour. Just get up, walk around, come back, stand up while I'm working, do things like that. Because again, that taking care of your own
1: wellness is super
2: important right now.
1: I would even say it's like what I have found to your point, Andrea, earlier is that it's so easy to just get up. If you don't have kids in the house, which I don't, it's a lot easier to end up doing this because you don't have to attend to small children, but I could easily just get up at six or seven, start working and keep working until I go to bed at 10 or 11, because not only is it the case that, you know, there's a lot that we're in our houses, but like there's literally nothing else to do. I mean, I could, the other thing is I could watch a movie, and then I kind Netflix of feel bad. I know, but it's like, well, if I'm just going to sit and watch a movie, I guess I could just sit and do work because I can't go out or whatever. And so I think that we do have to be pretty intentional about putting on our calendars, like, okay, in this hour, I'm going to, for any of us who can go out and walk around the block or walk around the neighborhood or something like that to really try because you're right, Rachel, I have the same
0: problem with my steps have been cut in at least a half, maybe like three quarters. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've seen a lot of is the kind of motivational take this time for self-improvement pieces, which I just resent every time I see them. Unfortunately, (laughs) I I just am like, really with everything else, you want me to like tap into my creativity or start a new routine on yoga or something? I'm just like, please, I need A minute to adjust. And I think what you were saying earlier, Rachel, about routines is something I've really honed in on. I had to do a writing piece for Committee for Children recently. And I I was like, everybody sent me all these schedules, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, oh, dude, the the schedule is the thing. And it blew up in my face right away. Like it just was not every day is going to be a little bit different. We haven't worked out what that's going to look like. And I reverted to habits and routines. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I can apply the schedule after I've reset some of these things, like before my kids were in school, I had to do this there, you know, we get up, we have breakfast, there's an order we do things in, we don't care about what time it is necessarily when we get up, we do these things. And so I've kind of reset to do that. And I feel like it's taking all my energy just to do that.
2: Yeah. You know, Andrew, something you said there, I want to acknowledge that I'm looking and people are doing all of these creative things and they're being so productive and, oh, I built a shed. I cleaned out my garage. I'm doing ceramic flowers, you know, and I'm kind of in the same boat with you going, wow, I just have to handle my own mental anxiety right now. I have to just get centered and try to accomplish the things I need to accomplish. And I'd say it's especially trying for those adults that have um, school-age kids at home. You are, your work automatically just doubled and you're not only trying to help you're trying to take care of yourself but you're also trying to provide some kind of normalcy for your family and for your children and so
0: it's a lot of stress for those people working at home i think about that and then i think about teachers trying to teach remotely while they have their own kids at home why i'm just like that is that oh. sounds like such a stressful situation these educators that are trying even if they're not actively teaching through some sort of platform. My son's teacher just sent out an email today with the, you know, here's what we're going to focus on. Here are the activities I put together, the thought that it's taking for her to put those things together because Seattle is doing more sort of email and activity pushouts because they, from an equity lens, want to make sure that things are as accessible as possible to as many kids as possible. I just think like all of the time that they're having to spend to adjust their teaching practices while they might have young kids at home, while going through maybe caring for parents and then their own individual stress. So I just imagine that's a lot for them.
2: Yeah. So what I would like to say to that, since this is a grow kinder podcast, be kind to yourself. This is really important. This is, and be mindful educators, people with young kids, they're trying to take care of everyone. So be mindful of compassion fatigue. This is when you're taking on everybody's hurts and anxiety and stress, and it can be really traumatizing for yourself. So it's really, really important, you know, that you're eating well, take a moment, just go to a room, have a little, have a little moment to yourself, read a book. It's more important now than ever.
0: Yeah.
1: I would think that, you know, applies also in relationships, you know, try and cut your partner or other people in your household some slack (laughs) and because everybody is feeling so tense. It seems like it could be a very, a very, very challenging time in households where there was already a lot of tension, where maybe there were already strained relationships. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be a Really hard time for a lot of people. Somebody
0: sent me something the other day. You know, I said, how are you doing? And they said, well, I'm still married. (laughs) Like that was (laughs) um, being in close quarters with with their spouse for that period of time. (laughs) It's daunting. I agree. It's going to be
2: challenging for all of us. And I, you know, I had to sit down and have a conversation with my kids about this too, how we're going to survive this next two weeks <laughs> without, you know, started off day or well, just on day one and we're already arguing on who gets to play their music. This is going to be a long two weeks. One of the things that a technique that we use is really, It, you know, it's called cognitive reframing, but we're really taking a look at the other person's intentions, We are making assumptions, you know, based on maybe habits or being reactive. But if you take a pause a minute and say, okay, you know, what might that other person be going through? It's just a moment to reflect on their intentions might not be what you assume them to be. And I think in this time, more than ever, we want to assume good
0: intentions. Everybody's just doing the best they can right now. It sounds like, you know, and you're sort of speaking about this earlier, The self-awareness is really key, sort of understanding what's happening with you and where you might be more reactive than typical or being paying a lot of attention to that. But then also, trying to look at that and those around you and and making sure that you're not assigning intention where there wasn't any. Those seem like two very important foundational pieces during this time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's a good it's a good time to practice awareness
2: to really think, okay, I'm feeling angry. Why am I feeling angry? You know, we actually have a little bit of time to do that. You know, we're in one environment, we're not quickly moving to another, where, you know, just even naming how you're feeling deescalates your emotion. So that's, that's a super easy place where a lot of us can just start when, when we're feeling stressed, angry, whatever, with another person, with the situation.
0: And for those who are just super focused on, so let's say they have kids in their home, they're taken care of, and, and they really want their kids to be okay right now. Why is it important for them to think about their own social emotional skills and be aware of their own kind of social emotional health during this time? Well, I mean, there's a couple of reasons. Again, there's the whole
2: philosophy. You got to take care of yourself, put on your oxygen mask before you you know, help your assist your children. So that's really primary. The other thing is this idea of emotions are contagious. There's positive and negative emotions, and it's a human phenomena that happens. So if you think about how, how you are reacting, know that that's affecting those around you. So reset that. And as you said earlier, Andrea, fake it, even if you don't feel it, (laughs) because kids smile, even if you're not feeling it right now, because smiling is contagious. So if your kids are really, if your kids are really bouncing off the walls, it could be
0: the way you're feeling that they're reacting Mm -hmm. to. So just be really aware of that. Yeah, the other day, my kids said, or we said something like, no more whining. There's too much whining going on right here. And my son said, well, you're whining. <laughs> and, and for him, the sort of like the kind of constant complaining and frustration in our voice was the same. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm kind of I'm on you right now. <laughs> and I need to, I also need to to manage that. Like, I can't expect this from you if I'm not able to do it myself. And we've been watching a lot of You know, like we watched Inside Out a couple of times together. Um, They're very into Frozen Mm -hmm. 2. So I've been trying to like lean on some of the movies and things that they like to have these conversations and and reminders about like naming your feelings. And it's like any trick I can get in the moment for that's a reminder for the whole family is what I'm looking for.
1: Yeah. And just you remember to do it too, Andrea. (laughs) Yeah. There's probably another side to that coin, Rachel about sort of either faking it till you make it or putting on your best face for your kids, which is also, you know, as we were talking to Sherry Wyden, who is our director of research here, and uh, we actually interviewed her on our podcast for kids, that it's okay to be have certain emotions, like negative emotions, like it's okay to be afraid. Adults are afraid, kids are afraid. It's okay to be worried or sad sometimes. So I think that I don't know. Like, I'm curious as to sort of the research that you've been looking at for your program about trying to create more positive than negative emotions, but also acknowledging that sometimes you feel those things and how to and how to deal with that when you're feeling them.
2: Absolutely. Emotions, you know, and we we have even been trying to get away from the idea that emotions are negative or positive. Mm. Your thoughts can be negative or positive. So what I'm talking about mm. is not necessarily your emotions, but it's your thoughts that you're having about those emotions. So yes, it's so you know you're having those thoughts, acknowledge it, and then try to flip it around because it's really not productive and it can spin you in this cycle. But hey, we're all a little afraid right now. That's that's a completely normal human reaction. And we might be a little angry too. And that's okay too. It's kind of how we react to that feeling that, that can set us on a trajectory that's positive or negative.
1: Right. I think that's right. I mean, I think that was the point of Sherry's interview with Scotty in our podcast, Imagine Neighborhood, was that you might feel afraid of something, but sometimes a feeling like afraid can actually help keep you safe. You know, if you were afraid, her example was, you know, if you were afraid of learning to roller skate, well, you would put pads and, and a helmet and everything on to help keep you safe. And, you know, when you're afraid of a virus, well, you wash your hands a lot to keep yourself safe. So there to your point, you know, if you are using certain feelings to then do actions that are keeping you safe or...
2: Right, that are keeping you safe, that are positive. You feel good about it. You feel like you can do something about it. I mean, in yeah. the end, really, that that is what you can control is your reaction. You know, emotions are going to happen.
0: I'm curious if, you know, we, we often ask people on the podcast if there were adults or teachers who they really trusted or had a positive impact on them when they were growing up or demonstrated kindness. I wonder if you have any folks that you think kind of modeled some of the things you're talking about well during a time of crisis for you, or if you have references from your own life, was there something that happened in the world or whatever, and you saw people do do this? That might be a good kind of flip of that question in our current situation.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. So there are a couple of questions in there about, you know, someone who's personally had an influence on my own life during a time of stress for me. When I was young, my mom died right when I was going into my teenage years, which is a really tumultuous time for a young girl. So I, I had an aunt that was particularly supportive of me. And really, she helped me through those years, I'd say. So pulling it back to this situation is supporting. So finding somebody who can give you that support as well as being that support for someone else I think that for me, having had that, I know how it felt as a young teenage preteen girl and how I can help others who need that support as well. So the support piece is really big right now. So there's a couple things as far as resilience that can help people bounce back from things like this and from all kind of roadblocks in life. I mean, there's one, just taking care of yourself. The idea that you build up your, uh, that you stay healthy. It's like you have a strong immune system. If you take care of your body, it can help you fight off viruses. Well, it's the same kind of thing with your emotional well-being. You kind of keep yourself healthy both physically and emotionally, and you can handle setbacks like this. And then the support, like knowing you have support, that really helps you bounce back from things like this. And if you feel you don't have support, there are all different places you can find that. I think especially now, there's a lot of different resources out there. And if you're in a place where you can give support, then I strongly recommend you reach out as well. Thank you for that. That's
1: so great. Rachel, so maybe people are going to be wondering where they could find out more about adult SEL. And I know Committee for children is working on any resources for adult SEL. Tell us a little bit more about what's coming up or where people could find more information.
2: Yeah, so Committee for Children has been working hard on providing supports to educators right now, both adults for themselves and also for adult educators to support their kids when they're maybe not in a schoolroom. So we have set up a website. You know, you can go to our secondstep.org site and then it's COVID 19 support. So www.secondstep.org slash COVID-19 support. And in there, you'll also find, or you will very shortly find what we're doing for SEL for adults as well. Thank you for that.
1: Rachel Cam, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time and joining us today to talk about SEL for adults. It's been my
0: pleasure. Thank you guys. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. You can find more episodes at growkinderpodcast.org and make sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher.